Welcome to NetFront Presence. I'm Jeff Gordon, the Post-Dispatch, joined by Jim Thomas and Tom Timmerman, who is checking in from South Florida as the uh, our heroes take on a four-game stretch against the Florida teams. And um, challenging one. And guys, let's start off with the good news. Hey, they won back-to-back games. Have not done that since October when they started 5-0. and They actually put together back-to-back wins. So, JT, just as you escaped your chat on stltoday.com, are, are fans believing yet, or is JT believing yet that this team has some traction? Uh, I would say uh, no and no, but uh, what what a uh, fun team this is to watch, partly because of its unpredictability. Uh, I mean, it's, it's just been uh, amazing. And uh, just watching Baruby try to keep his head from exploding, he even had to kind of make fun of himself last night that he he tried to compose himself after it was three to nothing, tried to keep composed. I'm sure he wanted to, uh, you know, just punch a wall or, I don't know, punch a player or something. But uh, 3-0, and, uh, yeah, they won two in a row the hard way. And then Columbus, what, they were down 1-0 and didn't play very well until the uh, latter part of that uh, that period. And uh, you know, we've we've lived to see uh, the the wacky world of sports. We've lived to see Jordan Bennington get the Bronx cheers from his own beloved fans at Enterprise. So it's uh, never a dull moment so far at, uh, with the uh, with the note. Yeah, but you know, I think winning two in a row did kind of leap some hurdle for these guys, at least psychologically, and the fact that they you know, they beat a really good team. You know, for some reason, Tampa Bay is a team they seem to do well against, but, um, you know, there's every reason to think that, well, they, you know, after they beat Columbus, like, well, okay, that's going to be another one game winning streak, but they did it again. Uh, and now they have a, you know, now they know what they're getting into, uh, when they play Tampa, uh, here tomorrow, but this is a rough stretch of games because then they get Florida, uh, twice. So this is, uh, they need to, you know, any, they'll take any win any way they can get it right now. Yeah, so let's talk about Bennington to start with. Um, you know, that uh, I guess that would almost qualify as a Jake Allen moment, you know, when Jake had, was <laughs> going through his terrible luck period of with the Blues, which was, you know, he had a few of those stretches where it just seemed like some of the weirdest things would happen to, the, to Jake. Um, dump in off the stanchion, um, Karam's to the goal. Now, at first, you know, okay, you don't notice it because it's not supposed to do that, but – and almost like Jordan looked down at this puck coming and he just, he just like, Oh, what is this? Is this like a mouse coming at you? And it just sort of trickled between his pads. He's sort of incredulous and just looking at this thing. And uh, I don't think there's ever been a weirder or will be a weirder moment in Jordan Bennington's professional uh, life. That was something. Yeah. Uh, well, Bennington said, uh, what do you say, Tom afterwards? I've never had one like that. And we're both thinking, no kidding. Who has ever had one? Uh, <laughs> Like that, but he has, and it's not just that moment. What was it a couple games ago? Was it Chicago where it was negated by an offside uh, where, you know, he, he's a, he's a little interesting behind the net when he does his house, house cleaning behind there. Remember he goes behind the net and he kind of backhands a clearing pass, right? to I think it was a Chicago player. Yeah. It was Patrick Kane. It was no uh, Jonathan Taze. It was going to be Jonathan Taze first goal of the season. And he, he thinks he's clearing it to a blues player and he, he puts it right on the stick of Taze and Taze shoots into an open net. So he's had a couple of, uh, I, you know, major league brain farts here recently. Actually, this reminded me of that, of the, 
shot the, the time when Bertuzzo was dumping the puck in the corner against Florida and it hit Tim Peel and bounced off Tim Peel and then off Roberto Luongo of Florida and into the net. Though that one didn't count. That one, because uh, because it hit the ref and went in, they waved that one off. That was what this reminded me of, of pucks that just came out of, you know, the, the last direction you expected a puck to come and, uh, and it ends up uh, in the net. So, yeah, you know, you, you know, how much can you, can you fault a guy when a puck, you know, takes a net, takes a turn that you're not expecting it to take. And you're thinking 999 out of a thousand times that puck rims around the boards and comes out the other side. And all of a sudden it's not there. Um, it was literally the last thing Jordan Bennington expected to see. But at that point, a blues win was the last thing we expected to see. So that was a, <laughs> uh, it worked out well. Cardo, uh, I just want to just want to throw in the uh, I, I don't know if you saw the uh, Emily Kaplan interview on ESPN Plus, and judging from disgruntled Blues fans everywhere, not a whole lot of them saw it. But Bennington's interview was pretty priceless. Uh, he, he he admitted that he 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 heard the crowd getting on him, and he said that's cool. They want to hold me accountable, but then he said, but then I turned it into a standing ovation at the end. So that that that's our guy Jordan. <laughs> yeah, you know. He's not, uh, we've seen some goaltenders come through here that would have really slumped and started to wallow in self-misery uh, and, and self-pity. Um, yeah, Jordan, you know, remains confident. Uh, although I, I'll say this, when you're watching him, you know, uh, you guys have described his, uh, his, his goaltending style as competitive. You know, he's out there battling. Um, he is anything but economical these days. <laughs> uh, he's the opposite of a guy just holding his position, staying tall, staying big, you know, holding a spot. He's just all over the damn place. You know, back in the day, I might've suggested he's hopping around like a hamster on a hot plate, but we don't say those sorts of things anymore. And we do not encourage a net front person presence. So to, to put a hamster did, on a hot plate, don't. Did the uh, hamster people get on you for that one, Jeff? Or? They, they, well, they would, and they probably will now, but so don't, don't do that. But anyways, he is out there just, Oh, just man! It's yeah. How many snow angels per night, JT? How many? How many crazy? And I, uh, I mean, am I wrong? I, I didn't really notice it that much until this year. I mean, am I wrong there? Is he doing it more now? I think he is. Yeah, I mean, maybe a little bit more. I mean, he's there have been. I think maybe for the amount of time he's done it this year, compared to all of last year. Uh, he's probably ahead of where he was at this point <laughs> last year, but uh, it, it's been, it's been more dramatic. It's been, yeah. But all of, though in the shootout, he was very aggressive. He came out very far on all of the shootout. Yeah. That last one, I'm like, what were you, you going to meet him at center ice or what? <laughs> and that, but then he backed in, he backed in. Yeah. Well, I guess the bigger issue uh, in fairness to Jordan is this, this team is not exactly airtight uh, defensively. The, they're, they're giving up three goals or more quite a bit, which is pretty much the opposite of what the, the chief lives for. And it's just, I guess, guys, it's going to be an ongoing struggle with players coming and going and, you know, the use of uh, 11 forward, 7D, the COVID, the injuries, um, trying to figure out your defensive uh, combinations. Um, you know, it may be a year where we probably, we just may not see these guys get into that, uh, that lockdown form. It, it may be just a different type of team. Yeah, and, you know, they, they started out pretty well. Let's go back maybe first six to eight games, something like that, defensively. And in your term, and I, I forget if you used it in print or, or uh, uh, maybe you know, on, on the old net front here, but the, the defense is starting to fray. 
and and, and they are they're they're starting to fray a little bit and uh i think this is a huge stretch stretch for nico mikola he's getting top four minutes the last few games he's been with uh pareko this is his audition i think to show he can be a top four guy and if he passes it maybe doug armstrong stands pat if he doesn't maybe that uh, doug armstrong hotline gets going and he he goes out and looks for a uh, a top four uh, defenseman. I would say Perunovic is his he he's been solid, maybe solid plus. And uh, you know, I, I'm I'm paying a lot of, of attention to him. Uh, you know, defensively. I mean, uh, you know, he he's picked up an assist here and there on the power play, but uh, uh, you know, uh, he he's held up defensively. But I think if, if Mikola can do it, and and then the other part of this is somehow. Uh, Pareko's got, got to kind of snap out of this funk that he's in. I thought for a while that maybe it was some kind of affliction. He and Scandella together, not a physical, like a physical affliction, but an affliction of kind of subpar play. They've separated him and Pareko. I, I don't think he snapped out of it yet. He just looks almost pa- too passive out there. Kind of uncertain. I I don't think it's a, his back thing because his minutes are as good as they've always been. And, uh, as high as they've always been. And, uh, you know, he's not missing any practices. So uh, uh, there's just, there's a lot of things revolving around the defense right now. And I was just looking at Pareko's Corsi numbers and he, he hasn't been above 50% in a Corsi in the last six games. And here, here's a guy that logs on the ice a third of the time in the game. And, you know, it's a number you'd like to see higher because he's out there so much. It means you're mostly defending. Uh, and, you know, he's getting the tough matchups, but um, it, it not, they're not coming up on the, on the right side of those as often. Yeah, a key time for Mikola. Um, and I think he it was at the end of the first period where he said, I'm, I am going to make my presence felt. And he's just started whacking lightning uh, left and right uh, at the end of the period. Um, and that uh, was like something got into him right there where it was like, you know, it was like on that one shift, he was going to make his presence felt. Uh, for Craig Berube and um, and hitting guys and meanwhile yeah Jake Wallman sits and waits and uh, we have not heard from Jake in uh, in, a, in a while now and it all depends you got to think they got to find something to do with Scandella that that's you know Scandella is just kind of getting in the way and something's got to happen there well they, they were going to find a way they were going to put him on the bench until uh, Bozak came up with uh, COVID and they, they had to go 11-7. But interestingly, as you point out, Tom, they, they chose to have Scandella as the seventh over uh, Jake Wallman. It, the, uh, I, I really liked, you know, me and my, my pension for violence, uh, that one really big hit in the middle of the ice, uh, you know, just sort of by, by Miko uh, or Nico, uh, our, our guy here. Um, that that got really did get your team. They got the crowd going, and it was at a time they needed a. They did finish this that period well, and I think they carried something into the next period. And and you know after the first ten minutes, they needed something in that game. And you know, and hey, look, he's got the size, and then he have a little follow up to it as well. You know, he'll say, yeah, what what about it? You know, he'll run into somebody and and then follow it up. So that part's good, but you have to play well defensively, and you have to be able to get zone exits, and you have to. <laughs> know when to jump in the play and all these things are still to be determined. Uh, JT, the one thing I, I've been watching Perunovic as well. And other than that, I thought he got it. I thought that was a weak interference call. I mean, that's a pretty standard play that they're it's suddenly become in the last few years illegal in the NHL. Uh, I thought he's been sturdier despite being small. 
I think he's fairly sturdy as a player, you know, in terms of like when he has to pick up somebody and, and try to um, at least uh, neutralize somebody off the rush or even in the, in a, out of some more of a uh, half court, if you would uh, play. Well, first off, Jeff, just the fact that Mikola is hitting people and then right after the big hit, he hacked away at the back of a Tampa Bay uh, player's legs, which went undetected by the officiating crew. But does that make you feel a little better about the demise of Clem Carson, the temporary demise? I mean, oh, you haven't, bought, you haven't yeah. bought that jersey yet, have you? No, and uh, that that was just out of nowhere. Now we my, my guy's out, you know, and uh, but they need this element, you know. I mean, of course, they need to play well defensively. They need to play well with the puck, but. You know, Neil has a can play a robust game when he's locked in. Costin's irritable. You know, Mikola is huge. Obviously, Pareko needs to hit more people. We've always said that it's more important than ever that he started, you know, dropping some people because, boy, you know, again, again, some of these games are just turning into uh, pleasant skates, uh, Tom. I mean, I, I, I mean, it's getting a little, I mean, it's fun to watch. But, you know, a little a little bit of uh, bumping into people might not be the worst thing for this team, and especially if you're still trying to find uh, your game on the puck. Yeah, I don't know what, the, you know, is the search go on for this team's identity? You know, and, uh, you know, they've quite, the, this hasn't quite, it hasn't quite sorted itself out yet. And they should, you know, it's a lot of the same guys. They should know what it is, but it's not, uh, it's just not, it's not there yet. And, and there are times when it comes together. I think the last two periods of Columbus that came together uh, pretty well, but um yeah, it's, it remains to be, it's, it, the pieces are still fitting and they don't fit. And so it's, it's like a Tetris game and it's not, it's all of a sudden you got to pee, where is this going to go? And it's hard to find a place to put things. JT, a tough, uh, tough blow for uh, a favorite of the, uh, the scribes and the fans alike, David Perron. You know, we've always said that David, you know, is one more big high hit away from, you know, pondering his future in hockey, given all he's been through it. We hope this certainly is not, that circumstance, but you, you start thinking about these things when he gets hit and he's out of the lineup because uh, David Prawn's been through a lot and he's playing, he's been playing great hockey and he wants to keep going and he's excited to stay in St. Louis. He wants another contract here, but then, you know, then he gets popped and, um, and given what he's been through, you, you don't take this lightly. No, not at all. And you think of the concussions that he's had, uh, they haven't been the kind that have sidelined him for, you know, four games or whatever. Uh, the last one was in the Stanley Cup year, and he missed 24 games, 24 games. And I think he still scored 23 goals that year. But I remember when he came back for that one, he says, I don't know how many more of these I can take. And now he's got a family and, and whatnot. And as you mentioned, uh, Jeff, uh, you know, he's, he's in a contract year. And a guy who seemingly uh, has been getting better with, with, with age. So uh, it's a lot for him to think about. And a lot for uh, Doug Armstrong to think about in terms of uh, contract, but the, you don't know how long he's you don't know how long he's going to be out. And you know, uh, some uh, readers uh, have have said, well, why, why don't they just put him on LTIR? Well, I think it's because he's so valuable. They they want to wait and be sure that he's going to be out for ten games. Otherwise, he's on ice for ten games. Uh, you know, what if he comes back uh, tomorrow and says, I I feel great, and doctors clear him. Uh, you know, and, and concussions are very tricky. I, I remember uh, last year with Bozak and Bozak's another guy that's had several concussions and long-term concussions. Uh, he would come back 
And Tom, you remember, remember he would skate for a couple of days and then yep. all of a sudden he'd have symptoms again. And then we wouldn't see him for a couple of days. So it, it's all, it's, it, it's a tricky thing. And uh, man, you just, you, you, it's one thing for David Perron to feel like he feels like say now, but what, what will his brain feel like in, you know, when he, when he's 50 or 55 or whatever. So uh, it's something that he's really got to think about and be careful about coming back as, as much as the team needs him and could use him. Yeah. I think Vince Dunn last year where he kept thinking any day now he'd be back and he, and he was never back. So yeah, you know, without him, that, um, that changes the look of the offense, what he can do with the puck. Um, you know, we, we've seen a couple times this year, just he can hold that puck and he can make, create things and set people up and he can score. So he's valuable both ways. Um, and the Blues have to find someone else to serve bench minors uh, now that he's out. But they haven't had many. We haven't had a uh, – we've had one too many men penalty, and they haven't lost a challenge yet. So there are very few bench minors against the uh, Blues this year. That's a, that's a positive note for sure. <laughs> uh, another good note, um, the uh, happy Logan Brown and uh, and very happy Jeff Brown at ice, uh, ice level. I – Covered Jeff during his time with the Blues, really one of the better offensive defensemen uh, in the league of his era. Probably not the best plus-minus guy in the history of the civilization, uh, particularly with his time with the Deeks back in the day. But uh, but a, just a great guy and, and a heck of a hockey player. Who, by the way, also really had a bad ending uh, to his career with with uh, with uh, with concussions. Uh, that was rough for for Jeff. He hated to see a good guy suffer, but. It was great to see a good guy watch his kid score a goal. And, and, and hey, a nice goal it was. And so Logan Brown, uh, with the circumstances being what they are, JT, is going to get a look. Yeah, he sure is. And that was literally a, uh, a hold my beer moment for, for Jeff Brown, who had to hand off his beer while he, uh, while he celebrated. And yeah, what a, you know, and, and we've all seen so many great moments, especially uh, Gordo, you and Tom, because you've been watching blues hockey forever but what what a great moment the local kid comes home scores a goal st louis loves nothing better than to see uh something like that he's obviously got potential he's got a lot of talent i think he came back from uh from springfield with uh with more confidence and yeah this is going to be a extended tryout you know with with the guys on ltir and peron situation looks like he's going to get i don't know whatever three four five six games uh uh, he ought, he ought to play this like it's a Stanley Cup, and and he can really maybe get his foot in the door if uh, if he contributes. Realizing, especially as they go eleven seven, you know what he get? He didn't even get I don't think eight minutes last night. He's he's going to have to make the most of every shift. Yeah, I was talking to Jeff Brown earlier today, and he was saying, you know, I'm still smiling uh, from that. He was he was just delighted uh, by that, and he he told me you know, I hadn't. Done the math, but that was the first time Logan had ever played an NHL game in St. Louis, you know, other than preseason games, because he was with Ottawa and he was either injured or not on the roster when Ottawa came to town. He never played a game in St. Louis uh, before, so that was his debut, um, and he matched as many goals as he had in the four seasons with uh, with the Senators. Uh, and and Jeff was saying, in many ways, that it was like the, the beginning of his career. Uh, last night that was like his first game just how it um you know what what that meant and the emotion of seeing that goal and it's like a new start uh, for him yeah he's gonna you know 
they had 11 forwards, so he's going to play until they get either until they get two of Bozak, Perron, Neal, or Costin back. Uh, they got to get because right now they got 11, so one of them can come back. He'll still play, and so you got to get two of those guys back. Who knows when Perron is back? Bozak is got like, going to have eight more days to go. Um, you know, Neal and Costin are both still got a couple of weeks away. So yeah, he's going to have a chance here. Uh, in fact, for these four Florida games, he's probably going to be in all of them. You know, and, and JT, one thing you'll notice covering hockey, and each sport is, has its peculiarities, but hockey has a, there's a real history of, of big forwards uh, needing a lot of time to, to develop because they've been able to uh, tower over opponents, be effective, play the game and, and at a productive level uh, without having to really just haul butt uh, with their skating. And we see it all the time. And you've seen guys come through. You're always, you know, hey, when's Zach Sanford going to pick up? Hey, Tajay Thompson, pick it up. Uh, <laughs> and finally, he has. By the way, he finally yeah. has for Buffalo. Yeah. He's figured it out. But it's it's taken him forever. It's taken Tage Thompson uh, forever. Uh, but now it's, it's happening. So, you know, sometimes with big forwards, because of how they've been able to play to get to this point, well, they can't play that way anymore. This is the NHL. And <laughs> it's a big adjustment. Some guys make it and some guys make it quickly and some guys don't, but uh, this is part of the life of the NHL for big guys. Yeah. And it's interesting to me because uh, you always hear coaches talk about the big guys. And I remember uh, 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 Baruby saying the same thing about, uh, about Tage Thompson uh, that, you know, they need to move their feet and, and maybe because it's, they're so big that uh, it just takes a while. To, 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 to move the feet and, and, and to get skating quicker. It's like kind of a, a strange, maybe a football analogy is the, the tallest of quarterbacks uh, are very rarely are successful because just because of the physical dimensions, the quick release is so important. Well, when you're that tall and your arms that long, it just takes a while to do all that. And so maybe that's a factor with Logan Brown. I think he's, He's pretty close to Colton Pareko height, I think. I, I I don't know if I've seen him stand together on the ice, but that's that's a pretty tall fella. Yeah, uh, Logan is uh, is listed as uh, as six six, so um, yeah, so he's right uh, so he's right there uh, in it. Yeah, you know, we'll see. I mean, this is his chance. And, you know, the the Blues. You know, he he does have to go through waivers. So if he's here, he plays in ten games with the Blues. Uh, or is around for a, uh, well, 10 games is going to be, or is, or is around for a month, uh, you know, they'd have to use waivers to send back down. So, you know, that could fit into this whole thing if this goes on and he hits those milestones where they have to put him through. Do they take steps to keep him around? You know, at some point, the Blues are going to stop carrying eight defensemen. They just can't go on doing that. And, you know, and the reason they're doing it is because they don't want to risk Mikula or Wallman going through waivers. But as long as they have eight defensemen, they can only have one extra forward, and that's going to become a mess. Uh, as we've seen already, it's a mess because that's why they're going eleven and seven because they got eight. They got eight defensemen, so something's got to change. On that, does it come to a point? Do they consider? And I don't think they do. Do they consider sending Costin down because he is waiver exempt? Or does the real deal? Does do they just say, "Well, oh, thanks, James. We we gave it a try, but uh, uh, best of luck." You know, that's one of the places where where Brown is going to be competing with Neil. 
you know, does, you know, and, and all of these guys, are you better off having Brown there? And then, you know, you know, if they can, if they can trade Scandella, you know, and that opens a spot, but if not, you know, there are decisions, but then again, guys can get hurt. I mean, David Perron could go on LTIR and, and change um, everything. You know, one thing that really affects every team now, it's, it's a hitting the league hard again. It also makes every general manager reluctant to turn the page on anybody at this point uh, is, uh, is the dreaded COVID, which uh, this league could not shake. And we've seen, um, you know, teams shut down and teams come perilously close to having to shut down. Uh, with, and, you know, this is just, uh, as we're seeing, now they're having to tighten protocols and they're, they're, they're trying to soldier through this, but we have a new variant. We're getting into the uh, more into the flu season, JT. I, I think we're going to see this is going to end up being a year that just tests everybody's patience and depth and coaching ability to use a different lineup on any given night because this is just the world we're going to be in this year, it seems. Yeah, and, and we've got a new variant on the horizon as well. And, uh, you know, uh, the league uh, said, no, nah, we, we, we don't need to make any cap exceptions if you have a COVID outbreak. No, we don't need that. We don't need a taxi squad. And I guess the uh, Players Association insisted, hey, we want to go to clubs and bars and restaurants on the road. We want to go out. Maybe they, I don't know, maybe they should have played it just a little more conservatively, uh, you know. And one of the things is, you know, I, I had a person on the chat say, well, you know, I don't know of anyone who's uh, got COVID for a second time. And I said, well, yeah, but do all the friends are all the people that you know getting tested every three days? Because a lot of these positive tests uh, are either very mild or no symptoms at all. Uh, you know, if you're not tested, you don't know if you have COVID. My, my middle son was in the Army. He didn't get tested. He came back from a deployment in Kuwait. They gave him the full physical. They draw blood. And they said, oh, did you know you had COVID? He said, no, you know because he had no, no symptoms. So a lot of these players are mild or no symptoms. And uh, I think a lot of the players went with the Johnson and Johnson because it, it's a one shot deal. And I don't think it's effectiveness rate is, 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 as good as, as the other two. See, you got all these factors here in play, but I agree with you, Jeff, this could, this could just turn out to be a, a mess as, as the, the winter uh, hits. Well, and the impact you'll see is, does it mean the NHL players don't go to the Winter Olympics? That's the most pressing, most immediate thing here. And if many more games are canceled, the NHL has the right to pull the plug on sending the players to the Olympics. Um, you know, AHL teams have just a bunch of teams in the Northeast just postponed a lot of games, about 12 games, uh, in the, including a few for Springfield. The Blues Farm team have been um, you know, postponed. I, Boston had a situation where you know, they couldn't call players up from Providence because of the COVID going through the team down there. They were, they, they wanted to bring people up, but they couldn't do it. So, uh, it, you know, the NHL has told teams, you know, cancel Christmas parties. Um, so it's going to be, uh, it's going to be something. And, you know, then between now and, you know, when the Winter Olympics would begin and maybe between now and January 1st, uh, there could be a lot going on on this. Well, we're at the uh, we're at the quarter pole, and uh, I'd say the Blues are just okay, uh, and uh, which 
it, it's a little disappointing, but man, you guys look around, you, you, there are some things that it was a tumultuous first quarter uh, of mm-hmm. the season, right? I mean, we had uh, Florida Panthers are winning big, but they lost their coach over a 10 year old issue, Joel Quinville. Uh, Chicago lost its management team, although it's starting to coaching changes is impacting in a positive way. Now what they're, what's going on there, Montreal blows up the front office. Vancouver is on the brink of maybe doing something. I think uh, the flyers, you know, I think they're pretty close to making a coaching change. You look around. I mean, it's uh, it's early, but it's late as Ron Caron would say, we're, we're about a quarter of the way into the season and, 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 and JT it's, it's been sufficiently weird. I, I think if you look at, you know, where you thought some teams would be like, the, and we knew the Islanders had a 13 game road trip, but we didn't know COVID would crush them. And uh, man, it's uh, there's some, a little bit of upside down when you look at things. You like the chaos though, don't you, Jeffrey? It gives us something to write about. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it is. It has been uh, wildly unpredictable. And uh, even the, when, when we come down to the, uh, to the blues play, you, yeah, you just never know uh what what's going to happen with the blues from really almost from uh uh from game to game and uh you see just uh bright potential at times where you're like wow if they could just do this more often not do it every night just do it more often what they have and but when they're bad it's uh it, it it it's pretty bad when we have uh stanchion goals uh <laughs> happening and 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 uh, and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I can't wait to see what happens next. Yeah, even, you know, just looking at Central Division standings, there's like Colorado sixth. I mean, obviously they played a lot fewer games than everybody, but, um, you know, and, or the fact the Blues lost to Arizona. But it's just it's just weird. It, it, it is a weird season, and I don't know. It's probably only going to get weirder. And how much of that is the carryover from last year in a short season? Um, you know, and, and obviously the – Players are missing for extended periods of time, just out of the blue. Um, yeah. And so, you know, my, my belief going into the season with the blues was, or for the central was whichever team loses the most players for the most amount of time is the team that's not going to make the playoffs among those contenders. But now, I mean, it's everybody's losing players. I don't know how that's going to play out within the division now, though, if the blues were to lose Peron, that would be a, a significant uh hit to this uh, to this team okay last last question for the net front and it's a critical one with these back-to-back games between uh the blues and lightning golden opportunity to, to update the car quest commercials with uh, ryan o'reilly and pat maroon um uh, any have we seen any sense of any any tapings either in st louis or i guess you'll see uh for yourself tom and uh Tampa. but have we uh have they been out there have they got the camera crews working with these guys jt one I kind of like the the new hair on Maroon. It's very different looking. Two, I, I think, I don't know if they're quite there yet, but in the pantheon of bad St. Louis commercials, I mean, think of Becky and Wanda, the Sliman brothers, uh, Brown and Brown. I think these car shields, they're kind of getting in that stratosphere, getting close to, to being a truly bad local commercial. I, th- I think those commercials were taped in Anaheim. That looks a lot like the Ducks practice ring. Uh, were those commercials? Only Tom were, would know that. <laughs> were, were taped. So, and, and and you would do it in Southern California because that's where the production is. The thing that amazes me is that it's one thing to reshoot the commercial. How how hard would it be to just to redo the graphic and to say Pat Maroon's won three Stanley Cups yeah. rather than two? You don't have to even change what he says 
on most of them, but just you can change the graphics and, uh, and it happens. So, um, yeah, that's that's what uh, I guess I guess st they've stuck with it. But uh, yeah, I, I doubt we'll see. I don't, you know, the Blues got in here late uh, in the Tampa today, so no time to do it today. And I don't see it happening between the uh, between the morning skate and the game uh, here on Thursday. And maybe they just don't Ryan or just don't want Ryan O'Reilly to feel bad that Maroon <laughs> is just filling up that hand with rings. And uh and you know, but good for you know, and good for Pat. And you know what? Hey, another trip to St. Louis, another chance to take a bow. And the big rig's a great American, great representative <laughs> of the STL. Uh, you know, good on him and uh good on Cooper and from you know, guy who coached in this town. You know, if you want to see if another team's gotta win a cup, you know, it's pretty hard to to dislike those guys. So we'll, we'll give them that as our parting bouquet here on the net front. Uh, for Jim Thomas, for Tom Timmerman, I'm Jeff Gordon. This has been the net front presence. A reminder, you can catch all of our podcasts on stltoday.com slash podcast. And hopefully it will be, they'll be embedded in stories. And hopefully you're getting them on your podcast app and you're telling your friends about it. And uh, you're sharing your thoughts. And again, as a reminder, the, the whole hamster on the hot plate thing, no. No, no don't, don't do that. So until, until next time, see ya.